It's time for episode 77 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March the 4th, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast, where time is always marching forth. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across this fair nation, as I am every week, by Jason Snow. Hi, Dan. How's it going? It's going okay. How's it going with you out there? And is it sunny in California? It is, is it sunny. Nice? Sunny and nice. Sorry. Well, that is just great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're joined by two excellent guests, as we are every week. Uh, to my left is Wired's own Christina Bonington. Hi, Christina. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. And to my left is Slovenia's own Andrzej Tomic. Hello. I'm actually from Slovakia. No, no that's no! <laughs> I'm so from close. Slovakia and moved to Slovenia. And <laughs> just just so Jason would get his <sighs> podcast intro wrong. We're going to talk about four tech topics today, and since I got to introduce the show, I guess I have to go you first. Do. It's the rules. It is the rules, and I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was thinking the other day about encryption because I've been reading a lot about security flaws. And of course, there's been a lot of talk about encryption in the news with everybody from the FBI director and even the president weighing in on thoughts on encryption and how that affects law enforcement and the like. I don't do much additional security, you know, take additional security precautions. I've even done stupid things like sending my social security number over the Internet so I can get paid by my fine employers. I'm curious to know if you guys take any extra precautions when you're sending sensitive data or do you just either sort of rely on, you know, what's built into software, whether it be browsers or mail clients or or whether you just also have sort of assumed that it's a lost cause. So how, how do you approach security in this digital day and age, Christina? Yeah, so I'm kind of with you there. I probably don't do as much as I should in terms of encryption. I mean, as in terms of personal security, you know, I have two-factor authentication on a lot of apps and services. Um, but yeah, I have probably also done things like uh, emailed my social security number before or, um, you know, things like that. Um, I don't know. One thing I do that's kind of silly and not really encryption related is <laughs> when I when I share my phone number with someone over like Facebook Messenger or something, I always like type out some of the numbers as words. Whoa. <laughs> Which is stupid. That, but that's just to make it really inconvenient for the other person, right? Like that's pretty little, much. Yeah. yeah. You, you, gotta, you, wanna have to, you want them to have to work for it. Well, yeah. I, and I don't, I am not that paranoid because I've decided that it's too inconvenient to be that paranoid. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, and we've talked about this before. It's like I, I could take more steps, but, you know, I'm very rarely doing anything where I feel like I want to take steps to be I, it, anything that I can do to secure myself that's, that's fairly easy easy i will do i am doing like two-factor authentication but in terms of encrypting data um i don't uh, you know i don't do a lot of that beyond the you know encryption that's built into the transfer software and yeah that does mean that the nsa can probably read all my email um i hope they enjoy all the pictures of my cat <laughs> exactly <laughs> well yeah i'm, I'm sort of the same I, I do have two factor and uh but i've never encrypted anything like a hard drive or stuff like that because it's just it's a pain Basically, and I'm, yeah, I'm sort of fine with it. Although I did set up uh, for a colleague of mine who's a political reporter, I did set uh, up his, uh, like uh, one of those apps that suppo- supposedly encrypts your SMS messages. 
mm-hmm. if that counts, but that, that's yeah. as close as I've got. So uh, it's hard. It's tough to find that line because, like you guys, I use the two-factor authentication, and I, I have in the past had a uh, file vault in- enabled on my Macs um, to sort of keep those drives more secure. But there are so many possibility loopholes and workarounds that uh, you know, even if a reasonable number of steps doesn't necessarily make you totally secure. I was thinking about this in particular because there was a piece by um, the security researcher Moxie Marlinspike the other day about how GPG, which is a common email or encryption scheme that's often used in email, is kind of dead because like nobody ever, not enough people bought into it and sort of never really caught on. And then Glenn Fleischman wrote a piece about how it's not that hard. It's totally doable to set up encryption on email. I was like, yeah, nothing convinces me like saying it's doable. Uh, <laughs> it can so, be done. It can it's be done. Yeah, theoretically okay. possible. I actually reviewed a bunch of those. And doable is a kind way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. And it seems like if this was sort of more easily accessible and people built this into the products and there was more support for it, then that'd be great. It would be great to have all this better encryption. But it turns out that it's really just, it's not feasible for most people. So uh, yes, the NSA has access to all of our files. Everything's in the world is terrible. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> uh, Christina, did you bring a topic for us today? I did. So, uh, you know, Apple has an event coming up this Monday and I am, you know, I'm actually more excited about something that maybe Apple will also release at the event, which is a Retina MacBook Air. I have been waiting for that thing since Apple first released the Retina MacBook Pro back in 2012. And I keep waiting every year and I hope this is the year that it finally arrives. And so I wanted to ask you guys, you know, do you think that's going to arrive on Monday? Do you think it's just going to be an Apple Watch focused show? If we do get a Retina MacBook Air, are you going to buy it? And then um, why do you think it's taken so long? I, um, I'm with you. I would love for there to be some Mac news at this event. Uh, the Apple Watch is fascinating, and it's we've written a lot about it, and we will all continue to write a lot about it for a long time to come, I think. Um, but boy, uh, it, it, it's more information about something that we already heard about six months ago. I would love for there to be some Mac news thrown in. I would love for this Ma- MacBook Air. I've been a fan of the MacBook Air since the beginning, and believe me, that was hard to do with that first one because it wasn't very good. But I love the idea <laughs> of it, and, I, and I'm a MacBook Air user now, and I would love to see that, that rumored Retina 12-inch MacBook Air. My guess is that Apple does not need a large event to large to launch that kind of a product. So it could be an adjunct or it could just as easily be something that they do in some small event in a couple of months in Cupertino. And so my, my guess is that it won't arrive on Monday if I had to bet. Um, and would I buy one when they announce it? I would, I would, I would have to think about it really hard. Um, my, my existing MacBook air is pretty, uh, it's pretty recent and, um, I don't use it as much as I used to because I've got a retina iMac on my desk now. Um, but it would certainly be the laptop I would buy once it was time for me to buy a new laptop. Well, uh, you see, I'm not a laptop guy cause, and, uh, and the you're small... a windows guy. I accuse you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm a windows guy and I do have an iPad. So that's sort of my, my two main computers. But the, the, the thing is I'm also six foot eight. And I look mm. basically <laughs> ridiculous with an 11-inch or 12-inch. It's a little toy computer. The thing that does intrigue me is the retina screen, because mm. those are nice. But and to you, a 15-inch retina MacBook Pro would be like an 11-inch MacBook Air to the <laughs> rest of us. What is this, a computer for ants? 
<laughs> no, but I, that's actually because I, I used to have a uh, uh, Android tablet with a keyboard, one of the first Transformers, which I still use to record stuff, but that's a different story. And it's just, it's too cramped. I can't work on it. I, I can't. And sort of the 11, 12-inch laptops are in the same vein. And I just get so frustrated, I, I give up every time. Although, again, like a small laptop with a retina screen, damn, that's going to be kind of awesome. But yeah. Again, I'm a giant, so I don't count. Uh, well, like you, Jason, I have a MacBook Air, and it's very recent, say less than six months old. <laughs> so replacing that <laughs> might be a little bit uh, ahead of the game. Uh, and I'm, I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what the trade-offs are because we've heard a lot of rumors about this 12-inch MacBook, and I would be really interested to see what they're going to do with it because, like you, I would like some some Mac news and sort of see like, oh, well, we we've seen a lot of development in the iOS space and the Mac space hardware-wise has has slowed down a little bit, and it'd be interesting to see what they feel like is the next major step in laptop computing. Um, but at the same time, I may not be ready to take that next step because it may come with you know one. USB port or something like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to see what they announce. I'm not sure that it will be for me, and I'm always kind of hesitant to buy in on a first-generation product anyways. Um, and it remains to be seen what the major compelling items are on it. I, I agree with Andre that a, a Retina display is the sort of the big thing. I, I don't have any Macs with Retina displays right now, uh, and I feel that I'm really missing out. My eyes are just, they're just burning with shame. <laughs> Uh, and so I love the idea of a, of a MacBook Air with Retina display because a MacBook Air ends up being my my daily use machine. But I don't think that the first generation of the product will be the one that I buy in. And I'm going to wait for them to iterate a little bit, get to version two or three before I invest my hard-earned money. It's halftime. Halftime of this edition of Clockwise is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform. It's got more than 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, tech, and creative skills. You can get a 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash clockwise. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash clockwise. Lynda.com is for problem solvers. It's for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. You want to master Excel. You want to learn how to negotiate Learn negotiation tactics. You could be like the negotiator. Um, you remember that movie, Dan? Do you remember it that movie? T- I, I own that movie and I, I regret it every day. <laughs> like, well, you wouldn't regret it if you became the negotiator by taking a course on it on lynda.com. You could build, learn to build a website, boost your Photoshop skills. Uh, I used it to uh, learn much more about how to use logic to edit podcasts really fast. That's why uh, Clockwise gets edited super fast and is always under 30 minutes long. You can, uh, here, here's how it works they have great uh, studios. That they're, th- these are not like shady videos from somebody's basement where they're showing you how to do something uh, and, and you can't even see like the screen. It's all weird. It's not like that. They're all professional. They're from the experts. A lot of times it's from the people who make the software that they're talking about. You can um, you can stream them all. Uh, you have access to every course uh, for your membership fee. Um, and you can even watch and download courses to your devices to learn on the go. So lynda.com membership. Whether you're becoming an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, you want to learn something new, whatever, lynda.com is for you. So go to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash clockwise. Sign up for your free 10-day trial, lynda.com slash clockwise. Thank you to lynda.com for supporting Clockwise and being our halftime sponsor. Now the cheerleaders must go back inside because halftime is over and it's time for our second half. Okay, here's my uh, here's my topic. Uh, Apple Watch event, everybody thinks, as Christina said, coming up Monday. So it's time to get the final predictions 
in. What is this thing going to cost? All we know is it starts at three forty nine. Uh, what is the feature that you think will be the most impressive? And what's the thing you're dreading about the Apple Watch? So quick hit Apple Watch projections. Well, the thing I'm dreading is the like the battery life. Because I just, I, I do not understand how that works. Like I've read pretty much everything that's been written about the, like the watch's battery life. But it's just, it, I, I don't understand how that thing is going to be usable for the whole day. And then, and to justify the purchase, basically. I just, I don't, like I, I've been trying to figure it out in my head and I just can't come to any like sensible conclusion. And uh, like the, the thing um, I think will be like the most impressive is that it'll actually be a, like a sort of portal to your phone that'll actually work. Like that's the thing I'm betting on. Like Apple is actually going to figure out that, you know, when the no- notification is going to come, it's not going to be annoying and it's sort of going to, when you'll flick it to do something, it'll actually do that. Just like the basic stuff I figure is going to be really well done, which like on Android where it is not, because I've <laughs> tested a couple of watches anyway. <laughs> like I think that's going to be awesome. So that that's sort of what I'm like hoping. You know, it's going to be like those trackpads on the laptops, right? Anything on a Mac is awesome and everything else is just <laughs> crap. Like I think it's going to be like that. <laughs> But like, as far as the pricing goes, like I thought, like John Gruber was insane when he was talking about those edition uh, edition prices. And now, like the more I read about uh, I read about uh, watches, which I'm not an expert in, it sort of starts to make sense that there's actually going to be an Apple product that's not a giant computer that's going to cost basically as much as a car, like a really good <laughs> car, <laughs> and. I don't, like, that seems weird to me, but apparently that's what's going to happen. And I think, Jason, you wrote about the gold edition coming in a really nice box. Yes. That box has to be awesome. Like, (laughs) I just, I I imagine you get it and, like, violins start playing Mm -hmm. when you buy that thing. I don't know how that works. A man in a tuxedo appears. (laughs) Dan, uh, what what are your final predictions? Um, Well, so I think price-wise, I think it's going to be higher than everyone hopes, but lower than they fear. Um, which is to say, I think that the edition will be really, really expensive, but I think it will be lower than a lot of people have projected. And I know that sounds contrary because a lot of people are being like, oh yeah, don't be surprised. This thing is $10,000 or more. I don't quite buy it. I think it will be in the thousands of dollars, but I think it will be closer to five than 10. Um, as for the regular prices, I'm still kind of hoping that the middle range one comes in at 500, but I think probably 700 is more likely given the sort of uh, you know, projections for things in the starting price at 350. Uh, as I would say that the price tag is also probably what I'm dreading more than anything because <laughs> I want to buy one of these things, but I'm worried that it may be out of my price range. Um, I'm really excited about the fitness stuff and that it will tell me that I'm totally out of shape and need to get up and walk around a lot more. I actually think that that I might end up using that. Um, And I'm excited to see what the developers do with it. There's already been a lot of really cool uh, sort of uh, mock-ups and, um, you know, early prototypes, beta software floating around, people showing off screenshots and vid caps and stuff like that of software designed for the Apple Watch. So I'm really excited to see what third-party developers come up with because they often come up with clever ideas. Um, and as far as, I, I agree with Anjay that the battery life is a big point of concern, but I, I hope in some ways that it's not that great because then maybe people won't be playing with their watch every five minutes. But I kind of expect <laughs> that to happen anyways for the first six months at least. So 
Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this thing actually become a real thing instead of something that is just endlessly conjectured about. Yeah, I, I have to agree um, with battery life. I've used a lot of different wearables and it's so nice when you can just use something for, you know, maybe at least like three days at a time before you need to charge it. Um, having to charge it every day is, is kind of a pain. And for me, once I, I, I didn't grow up wearing a watch or anything. So once I take that wrist thing off, each time I take it off, like the chances of me forgetting it and leaving it at home are greater and greater. So, um, so having longer battery life is definitely a plus for me. Um, and then I feel like, I feel like maybe some of the coolest things about it are going to be, you know, how it um, how it turns things that you do on your smartphone all the time that take, you know, like, you know, the thumb press to get through touch ID, tap, tap, you know, to get into the app. It'll just make that like, just like a split second interaction. So I'm really excited for that. And I feel like the Apple watch will be able to do that in a way that's even more efficient and, you know, more discreet than on like the Pebble or Android wear smartwatches. Um, and then I think the fitness tracking could be good too. With the big screen on there, you can get a lot of different metrics. You know, as you're doing your run, you can, you know, check out different things, you know, your speed, your distance, you know, um, different things um, all at the same time, just right there, glanceably on your wrist. But it's also kind of a pain that it's so tethered to your to your phone that you, you know, you can't you can't leave your phone at home. Otherwise, you won't get the GPS and you won't get that information from the apps that it's working with. Um, so that's also kind of a, a pain point for me, because if if I am going for a run, it's nice not to have a six inch phone in my pocket. I, I, I guess I would say I am most dreading the demos of the 3D customizable emoji and sending your heartbeat to somebody because I think those are gimmicky. I fear those are ridiculous and gimmicky and not something that people are going to use. And We're sending our heartbeat to all of you in the uh, audience right now. It's actually, I think I actually blocked that out. Yeah, but that's that sounds like a Samsung feature. I, I, I agree with you. Now, if it was Bono's heartbeat yeah. that was being sent <laughs> to us <laughs> into your <laughs> iTunes will, library, then that would be something. It's a four-minute track just of Bono's heartbeat. Um, I, I kind of like the Apple Watch like the stainless steel model and I really want that one to be $500 which is why I'm sure it'll be $800 uh, and the addition will be more you know it's going to be so much that uh, <laughs> if you have to ask you can't afford it um, and in terms of the most impressive I I don't know um, I'm going to say yeah I think third party apps I'm, I'm really looking forward to the third party app integration even though it will be limited at first and the health stuff I agree with you guys absolutely um, tapping me on my wrist uh, every hour to get me moving so I don't sit at my desk all day I think is going to be a good thing so uh, well we will see uh, presumably uh, the Apple Watch will hear much more about it on Monday Anjay you get the final topic today what do you have for us all right, so, so when I review phones I just like get a box or a, like a paper bag with a phone in it and they just say to me like review it and like every once in a while I get one with like a curved screen they come in a paper bag yeah honestly because like the PR people <laughs> over here they just bring them they don't bring them in the packaging so like the Galaxy Note Edge I got was in a paper bag basically <laughs> which is weird but yeah it happens a lot actually so yeah fell off the anyway. back of a truck <laughs> Almost. Anyway, uh, yeah. so like every once in a while, I do get one with a curved screen. So the first one I got was a LG phone called the LG Flex. 
which had a cover screen. And now, uh, I like a couple of months ago, I reviewed the Galaxy Edge Note, and that has like a sort of a curvature at the end of one side of the screen. So I'm just asking, like, is there any application where that's like a curved screen of any kind would actually be a good idea? Because so far they've been sort of gimmicky and just have that, you know, the first 10 minute wow factor. Oh, I have a curved screen phone. And then it's, you know, it's just the phone, basically. So I'm just wondering if you guys think like curved screens actually are the future somehow. Uh, yeah, I have not been found anything compelling about them yet. Granted, I have not actually used any of them in person, but reading the reviews and looking at the images online, I'm just not sure what it's supposed to do. Uh, I was also skeptical of the curved screens for like HDTVs, but I've read enough about that now to understand that there are actually some benefits to that. Um, because of the size and the placement and how far away you are and the distortion of the images. But none of that really applies to a phone that's that small and they're generally not curved in that way anyway. So I have no idea other than just sort of bragging rights. Uh, the sort of Samsung, was it the Edge one that had the whole like crazy, like on the side there was like a separate yeah, on the Note Edge. Yeah. yeah, I don't get it. Um, maybe maybe it's really handy and if you use it for a while it, it really catches on. But somehow I'm very skeptical. I think that curve, curve phones will... Uh, will you know go on for a year or two and then sort of fade into obscurity and within a couple of years we'll be laughing. Oh, I remember when people made phones with curved screens, but maybe I'm totally wrong. I'd be way more excited, and I don't know if this is actually ever going to be feasible or not. But I would be way more excited about a flexible screen than a curved screen because, like, a flexible screen will. I mean, in reality, you know, it would suffer from a lot of wear and tear. It would probably like break twice as fast as my glass screen thing that I've dropped on the ground a hundred times. Um, but in an ideal world, you know, you, if, if you had like a flexible display, you know, you could sit in your pocket and it would kind of mold in your pocket and wouldn't jab into your hip bone when you sit down um, with your phone in your pocket. But the, just having a curved screen doesn't really seem like it has a lot of benefits for me other than looking kind of cool. Um, I could see a curved display being useful maybe on um, different wearable devices, you know. I think I think there's some that utilize that right now. Um and then I can see it in like the bigger industrial type applications, you know, in in storefronts and in um, conference rooms and things like that. Maybe, a, you know, a big curved uh, TV or display is useful. But as far as a phone in my pocket, it's just kind of gimmicky right now. I love the curved glass that phones are using. Like the iPhone 6 has this curved glass on the edges and it's really nice. It's a little slippery, but it, it's really a nice feeling. Um, having a curved screen where you're actually sort of like peeking on the side in order to see something seems a little impractical to me. I actually am more intrigued by that Android phone that's got the e, the uh, e-ink back. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That yeah, can, yeah. That's super the low power. Yoda can, phone. Yeah, it can put, yeah, exactly. It can put um, nothing or it could put like basic information or you could even use it as an ebook reader and it's, uh, you know, it's going to use a lot less power. I think that's, an, I'm not sure whether it's practical or not, but I think it's more likely to be something that's useful that you have this second glanceable screen that's always on on the back of your phone uh, than having kind of a curved side like on the, like on the, the note edge that um, is like, you know, 
I, I don't know. My books are tend to be two dimensional, and I don't read the spine that much. There is a third <laughs> dimension, but it's like, oh, it's a good spine you're, you're, copy. You're, you're missing out. I love that spine of that book. <laughs> no, mostly it's just on the flat plane is where I like to like to do my reading in a paper book. So I think that, that maps to to digital too. Yeah, because the the edge, like that note edge. Honestly, like until the like they just uh, announced the S six and the S six edge around right. the Galaxy phones, like. Uh, before those two were announced, the Note Edge was probably their best phone, but like it had nothing to do with that screen. Right. <laughs> it was just like really specked out, you know, like a proper phone. That screen was actually kind of annoying because when you try to pick it up, you can't really hold it with your hands. Like the fingers just slip off because one side is curved. But the feeling is nice. I'll agree with Jason there. Like the curved, so to any kind of curved glass, I think feels really nice on the fingertips but that's that's basically yeah because I, uh, I like like excluding christina's you know sci-fi folding you know, <laughs> sort of like, like i would love that but that just seems like at this point it's like insane when you think about screens but that would be just so awesome but like apart from that yeah i just i'm i'm lost why they do it but i guess like they're gonna try with the s6 because apparently i think the note edge was sort of a limited production cycle thing where they didn't make that many but apparently it's sold, sold well enough that they're making a, like a Galaxy S6 Edge. So I don't know. I guess there's people out there that actually like curved screens of some sort, I guess. All right, Dan, I think we have a little bit more time for our bonus question. Bonus question this week brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, it's the monthly subscription box service for Epic Geek and Gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items, including licensed gear, apparels, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th of any given month at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. Once the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com clockwise and enter code clockwise to save $3 on any new subscription. Uh, in March... The Loot Crate will be a dynamite, jam-packed collection of covert operations. Top secret spy stuff. The very best of spies and undercover agents, operatives, and espionage, including a Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. replica collectible, an exclusive Orphan Black item, the return of an exclusive t-shirt, and a whole lot more. Go to lootcrate.com slash clockwise, enter code clockwise to save $3 on any subscription. Uh, my kids and I love getting the Loot Crate every month. You should definitely check it out. More than $40 in value in every crate for less than $20 a month. Thanks to Loot Crate for sponsoring Clockwise's bonus question. Coming up here in the U.S., um, on this weekend is Daylight Savings Time, the return. <laughs> this week we will be springing forward, which means we lose an hour, which is really sad. A lot of people say Daylight Savings Time is dumb. <laughs> what do you guys think, Christina? You know, I, I'm one of those people that has trouble remembering like what spring forward means and what fall back means each time. But I think I like this one. I, I think it means that we, do we wake up in the dark a little bit more again? I can't remember, but I think we wake up a little bit more in the yes. dark. And then we have more light in the evening. Yes. And this is awesome because I do a lot of bike riding, and this means I can do a nice long bike ride after work when it's warmer and not cold in the dark. And that is great. I am uh, so... I'm going to give an, a defend the indefensible answer here, Dan. I am so in favor of daylight savings time. I would like us to always have daylight saving time. 
always because I actually think it would be I, I would rather be uh, closer uh, to to GMT and uh, have those dark winter days, but have it get really 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 nice and light late in the uh, in the evenings. But I hate the going back and forth. I, I I'm opposed to that. I would rather stay on one time the whole the whole year and not and not gain and lose. It's confusing. Well, over here we just have one time zone oh. right, in my country, so like everybody just switches. Everybody knows that there's no. I don't have a cousin in a different time zone, so I, I don't care. <laughs> so, and you ha- and you don't change the clock at any point during the year. It's always the same time oh no no we do change it ah. but like it's it, like everybody does right because i know in america there's some states where it's sort of only a few like, well only like uh, arizona and part of indiana i yeah, think part don't. of indiana gets me every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but you, you do have to remember like part of indiana is probably bigger than slovenia <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know i've been to indiana it's not that big but uh do you do you like the do, do you like or hate the that that morning when no, you lose an hour no i actually do like it like like christina said you you sort of wake up in the dark and then you have like an extra hour of sunlight later so it sort of makes sense but i don't know i we, we, like that has never been an issue here like that, nobody says it's dumb. Nobody says it's awesome. It's just, it's what it is, basically. Like, I, I, I've i noticed that you guys talk, a lot, talk about it a lot, but like over here, nobody cares. Well, here, here in America, we like to complain about things. That is what we do. Uh, personally, I don't care that much, although I wish that the technology had gotten a little bit better about automatically switching all the clocks, because every year it seems like there's some sort of bug. There were like three years running where iOS would like, nope, we got it this time. We totally nailed it. Nope, sorry, we screwed that up again. Um, so if all my clocks did a little better job of automatically adjusting correctly, I think I would be less put out by it. But I agree that having more more time in the summer, always good. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, we managed to get to the end of another clockwise. Whew. It was a near thing. Nobody died. <laughs> this time. <laughs> uh, thank you to our surviving guests. To my left, Christina Bonington. Thanks for being here. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. And all the way from Slovakia to Slovenia, Andrzej Tomic. <laughs> thank you. Uh, th- thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. This was fun. So. Over here, wherever I am. Yeah, where, whatever time it is. Who knows? Dan, it's a pleasure as always. Indeed, it was good to be here for this brief sliver of time before the time tone changes again. We'll talk next week about perhaps whatever Apple uh, announces next week. But until then, let's skip next week. We remind everybody, uh, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock no matter what time zone it tells you you're in. Mm. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.